Hi, welcome to Make Your Own Rules, the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Chris Saroy, and this is the place to be to become your best self, do work you love, and live life on your terms. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us. We aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to give you the clarity, courage, and confidence that you need to make your own rules. So hi Mavericks, it's Chris here with the Mavericks Unlimited podcast and today we have an amazing guest, a friend of ours from uh, here in Brighton, uh, Nikki Gatenby. Hi Nikki, how are you today? I'm good, I'm good. It's a sunny day here in Brighton so all is good with the world. Oh, it's always grand <laughs> for that, isn't it? Um, Nikki is the Managing Director of a local company, Propellernet, uh, who are one of the big leading lights in Brighton. So Nikki, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey that's brought you to this this day, as it were? So I started off my career in London, having been there at university and wanted to stay, loving the vibrancy, the creativity, the innovation, the, the really smart people that I met in London. Mm. And I actually didn't know what I wanted to do at university. And my lecturer in marketing said to me, I've got a friend who can, um, who can help you there. Why don't you go for an interview? And I didn't really know what I was going for an interview for. But it turned out to be a marketing agency um, called Wavrap Collins. And I turned up at 7 o'clock in the morning because I was... Um, I really need to go to the loo. Um, but I got there really, really early. And I was um, greeted at the door by a lady called Eula Loosley, who was the HR director. And wow. I said, okay, if I come in, just to check out the room where I'm going to be presenting. So I'm prepared. And she said, but your interview isn't until 8.30. I said, I know, but is it okay? She's like, absolutely. So I was interviewed along with 11 other grads in front of each other, which was very weird. It was like The Apprentice, oh. but The Apprentice hadn't existed at that point. Um, and I got the job as an account executive in a, in a marketing agency and I now know later that speaking to Eula she said to me you got the job when you turned up that early we all thought you wanted to be so prepared you would be a brilliant account handler oh amazing <laughs> which is wonderful so sometimes you know needing the loo is a good thing yeah um, and I started off in that agency and was there for seven eight years had the most amazing time again surrounded by creative innovative really bright people who came up with ideas that could light up the world and I thought it was utterly brilliant oh amazing I got headhunted to go to a different agency I worked in the automotive sector and I, I saw some such great ideas coming out of people I thought I, I found I really found my home Mm. But there's there's quite an underbelly in the creative and media industry. Um, I was a little bit disappointed at working with people who were very focused on profit from a leadership perspective rather than people. The irony right. being, if you put people first, their performance increases and your business outcomes increase and your profits naturally do. But they weren't really seeing the world through that lens. Right, right, right. So I learned a lot about what motivated people and how to make money. Yeah, yeah. If if you looked at it from a people perspective rather than profit. And that was quite a defining moment for me because I hit burnout and I was riding mm. my motorbike one day and the person who hit me, they were actually at fault, but I know I possibly wasn't making the most of my attention on riding. Right, so not fully present. Not fully present. And okay. Really thinking about the next pitch and what else needed to be done oh, at work. Of course. On, you know, 70, 80, 90 hour weeks and oh. I got knocked off my bike and, and the... The ambulance crew turned up. Thankfully, there was a nurse walking down the street and she saw wow. me get knocked off and she said, you need to stay there and you need to keep your helmet on. And the ambulance crew turned up and they took me from Battersea High Street to Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in four and a half minutes. Now, that is nothing short of a miracle in rush hour traffic. amazing. Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, OK, you must be really worried about me. So we got into the hospital and luckily, long story short, I got up and I walked away. Amazing. But I didn't actually make a change at work. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. went back to it all. And, the, you know, the Bright Lights is wonderful career, which was brilliant. I actually had a brilliant time. I worked mm. hard and I played probably too hard. I then ended up 
um, putting my hand up to set up the French arm of the London agency in Paris because the piece of business we won that was European wide mm. needed a, an office in, in, in the centre of Paris. And that was really quite tough because I don't speak French. Uh, my French is abysmal, <laughs> in fact. Um, and it's quite tough in Paris if you don't speak French. Yeah, that's a brave position, <laughs> that's for sure. And the people around me, you know, the, the rest of the, the team, were, were brilliant but it was a very it was a massive cultural immersion and you have to be on your game and you have to be doing the european strategy for a brand mm. and this is my second crash i woke up one day unable to move oh my god and i thought oh my god is this it what have i done what have i actually done to myself and it was in that moment when i couldn't move thinking am i having a heart attack that wow. i decided i needed to make a change right um and that's why i find myself running owning a business in Brighton that is one of the best places to work in the UK that puts people first and treats people well and is doing well because I've flipped on the head a number of practices that I saw in London that made me crash twice and I didn't do anything about it the first time and I don't want other people to have to go through that too. Oh, I don't wow. want to work with people who are so knackered they can't even keep their head straight. I mm. want to work with people who, have, who are so inspired they come up with ideas that light up the world. That second one, it sounds like it was a proper epiphany moment. But I found a lot with a lot of the people I've spoken to in this podcast, there's often that moment when mm. some, the light bulb clicks on. So how did that translate into practice for you then? Obviously, you're uh, running Propellernet. What kind of practices have you put into place? I completely believe that if you put people first, the money will come. If you put money first, people will leave. And I've seen it happen time and time and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of some of the practices we do... I've been used to being billed out 120% of my time on clients, which is rude, uh, unnatural. You don't have time to go to Lou, and, and we know what <laughs> happens there with me. Um, and you don't have time to think. You don't have time to learn. You don't have time to breathe. Yes, there's learning on the job, but you need. we need headspace. We all need headspace. Mm. So one of our approaches is that we don't bill out all of our people's time to our clients, deliberately mm. so, and we allow time and space for learning and development. And we don't just say that, we actually do it. So we offer 12 propel days a year a day a month or you can group them up right a day a month to go and propel yourself forward wow. by focusing on something you want to do as a person as an individual mm. it can be a whole myriad of things and it's about your own development and getting better at something so you could be spending a whole day just reading around a subject and coming out with an output for somebody internally or for a client mm. but it doesn't have to be client related it could be a new skill it could be something you really wanted to learn it could be learning a language but something that, that makes your brain yeah, think yeah, yeah. in a different way and the value off the back of that is people have come up with some ideas that have had a major game-changing impact on our business. Yeah, Tech yeah. ideas, ways of doing things differently because they've had the time and space to think. I didn't have time and space to think enough mm. to be able to ride my motorbike properly. So wow. we need to make changes in people's lives that they do. You know, we're not robots yet. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely. But I mean, I, I think you speak to a really amazing point that with um, AI, machine learning, all that, you know, all the commentators saying that, you know, social and creative intelligences are the most important ones moving forwards. And what I'm hearing in the Propel days, I mean, that's lifelong learning, isn't it? Absolutely. That's neuroplasticity, that's, but it's also just being good to people. Yes. Which is... And, and it's really ironic because sometimes people have to rewire their thinking, is how I describe it when people mm. come to PropellerNet, because across the business, we had 600 available in the first year we did it, and less than 300 were taken up. Because really? people thought, a whole day for myself? Every, what am I going to do with that? Do I deserve? It was a very strange phenomenon that you know you you give someone the invitation to do something that lovely, and it almost feels like they're taking the mick. No, that's not how we should be thinking. We should be right. actively taking time to develop ourselves, and the businesses should be saying, "Yes, that's exactly the right thing to do." Not where are you? You need to be on this pitch. Why aren't you working till two o'clock in the morning? No, 
you know, having been in that environment and, you know, having kind of made the transition in kind of both thought and practice that you've made, what is it do you think that keeps that kind of that culture in the creative industry going as it as it were? It's a really interesting question because it is so counterintuitive to what the creative industry is trying trying to achieve. And, you know, you can read articles in the drama, Marketing Week and various other trade publications about the fact that people are still working these ridiculous hours and it's expected of them. You know, if, if you've worked till 2 a.m. on the pitch, your boss might say to you, oh, don't worry, coming in at 9, coming at 10. No, have two days off. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. What is that all about? And the inflexibility of people who want to work flexibly. I'm not just talking about mums. I'm talking about everybody. Right. There is a massive level of inflexibility because the client comes first. That's because the money comes first. No, no, no. If life comes first and people come first, they will have a much better input into your business. They'll be way more creative and they'll be enjoying themselves. Happy people do better work than miserable people. It's not rocket science, but it's rarely factored into the business plan. And I, I find it insane that such a creative, intelligent industry can overlook that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. It, I mean, it really is. And it's still so endemic, isn't it? It's it's huge. So let, let's, uh, and we'll come back to some of the practices in a second, because there, there are lots of things I want to ask you about. But obviously, the latest manifestation is uh, you had a book that came out, I believe, at the end of last year or beginning of this year called Super Engaged. Absolutely, uh, yes. And I believe it's, well, I mean, I've seen it. I've tracked the thing. Me, It's gone down a storm. So, um, so tell us a little bit about the experience of what it's been like to publish your book and kind of what the world has been like since you published. It's been an incredible journey. Um, I probably rode roughshod over some of my own rules around working hours to get it done. But <laughs> it, was, it was something that was really motivating for me. And just go to launch day. By 11 o'clock on day of launch, which was the 23rd of mm -hmm. October last year, we were number one bestseller in HR and management on Amazon. Oh, amazing. And we stayed there all Congratulations. week. Congratulations. And they have these lots of categories on Amazon. And one of them was the um, mover and shaker category. And we were number one in the mover and shaker category. Oh, wow. Two steps ahead of Justin Timberlake, who just launched his autobiography. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Life goals. You know? Absolutely. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And it, it was such a wonderful ride to be on on launch day because... We, I put things out on LinkedIn, I put things out on Twitter, and believe you me, we've done quite a lot of background work yeah, yeah, to get yeah. to that point. It doesn't just happen. You don't just write a book and everyone buys it, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then the responses coming back in from people and the comments and people posting and people saying, and it, it, the wave of love was unbelievable, and I really didn't expect that to happen. And the avalanche of joy that has come off the back of it since then has been amazing. People all over the world getting in touch, sending me photos of the book with post-it notes all down the side saying, these are all the ideas we're going to put into our business. Thank mm. you. So more thank yous than I can ever think of. Thank you. I've got my mojo back. Thank you. You've changed the way I think about my business. Thank you. I've, I really now know that this is what I want to be doing. It, it's, it's, it's been amazing. And the best ones are from people who are at rock bottom in their business and mm. they suddenly have an epiphany moment through something I've read and we are living that makes them feel differently about life. How how amazing is that? It's yeah, incredible. I love this. <laughs> so the launch was pretty amazing. And um, we've just recorded the audio book, which was a quite a challenge for me to have to sit still Ooh. for 20 hours and talk <laughs> <laughs> and listen to myself. But um, it was it was so much fun to do. And the um, Audible have um, just about, about to approve the book to be out as an audio book too. And um, in, the, in the run up to that point, and actually starting to think about writing the book, I've been standing on stages for the last eight, nine years, talking about Propellernet and why it's a great place to work. Mm. 
And nine times out of ten, people come up to you at the end and say, I'd love to find out more. Could you tell me more? Have you written a book? And nine times out of ten, I say, I'm too busy to write a book. Clearly, <laughs> um, well, what I meant was I was too terrified to write a book. Because oh, good distinction. On stage, you get that immediate imp- um, feedback. And yeah, it's yeah. great. You can sort of tune what you're saying, writing it down in a book. You've no idea what people are saying about it. And then yeah. there's sort of internal paranoia coming out here. But um, I went to a conscious business event out in the Alps in January. And um, a friend of mine, Naveed, was asking about what we were doing, why we were doing it, mm. and our whole mission at Propellant is to make life better. And he said to me, if you want your philosophy to go beyond the walls of the agency, you're going to have to write the write book, book, Nick. Yeah. It's like, you fucker, you've got me. I can't <laughs> have to do that now. <laughs> Nailed. <laughs> so in terms of like Super Engage, what was the process of writing the book like? Because, y- you know, as you said, when you're on stage, you have that immediate feedback. But then, I mean, I wrote a book several years ago, and I kind of have an insight. So I, what was the journey like for you in terms of writing the book? It's really interesting. I'm I'm a natural talker. I'm not necessarily a natural writer, and I think getting help was a big thing. I the big the big challenge I had to start with was how to structure it. Mm-hmm. Once you've got a structure, you can kind of freestyle within it. So I had the yep. mega decks of all the times I've been on stage and talked about it, and but they were all I've kind of got my hand above my head at this point. Uh, they were all in my head, and I couldn't actually anchor them into a structure. Mm. So I was introduced to a chap called Wayne Fick, who is a really lovely guy. He's worked in PR agencies, creative guy, and um, I just I th- so I need help i need to work with someone who knows how to tell a story could you talk to me about some stories you've told and some campaigns you've worked on and he said um you know the london 2012 campaign i said oh inspiring generation that's one of my favorite advertising campaigns ever. right yeah really the olympics all about the children he said yeah i was like oh my god okay so you definitely know how to tell a story and he said yes and i've heard so much about pen there i've got people i know who've worked with you and work i'm very happy to help you so i spent probably two days talking at Wayne he created the structure for the oh book, my god amazing which meant then I could freestyle within it which was brilliant because it gave me some focus mm. once that was done I wasn't one of those people who could just do two hours a day two hours a day uh, that doesn't no, work no, no. for me sure. I needed focus time hence why propel days probably work for me so I took a day a week which is tough when you're running a business yeah 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 absolutely is. E- every Wednesday 50% of them happened 50% of them didn't for various <laughs> reasons to, to write the book but you know it never never stopped going around in my head and I, I bless my husband for all the post-it notes that were stuck all over our house and in the <laughs> car and in the garage of things ideas I'd had um and I, I took those days to write and then my great friend Kathy Halstead who I used to work with in London mm-hmm. is a copywriter editor and she edited it for me because when you write firsthand you assume a lot of knowledge that's actually in your head I'm sure you know yeah, this. And when someone else 100%. is reading it they need a bit more context sometimes yeah, yeah. and Kathy was wonderfully brutal with me she's like Nick that made no sense whatsoever what on earth are you talking about oh. <laughs> 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 or that bit doesn't fit there it fits there yeah so, yeah yeah so absolutely the, <laughs> the story is all mine but getting help is so important so having someone to help me structure it and having someone to make sure it would make sense to the reader so uh, an art director and an editor was absolutely essential. And then being brave. Yeah. The, the day of launch was terrifying. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going out to the world. Oh, oh my God. God. What if nobody likes it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, yes, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. So then to get the feedback by 11 o'clock that morning, which was just incredible. And that, li- that little bestseller tag, honestly, we are, oh we are such slaves God, to icons yeah. these days. Isn't aren't it we? true? <laughs> but it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So I, I would thoroughly recommend to anybody, we all have a story to share and we all need to rewrite some headlines. There's some madness going on out there in the big wide world. 100%. Yeah. 100%. As you said, Super Engaged is the story of Propellanet and what you get up to and like your 
the practices you've come to through your own experience. So I want to bring us back to some of that. So um, one of my uh, one of my um, business partners, John, said to, to ask you about dream balls. Yes. So as, as, as an example, and I know there are many things, but what, what is dream balls? So this came from the idea that we should be able to bring our full selves to work yep. and not just bring our work face and put everything else on the outside. And bringing our whole selves to work includes our dreams. And I've done quite a lot of research into this. We all have around 100 dreams going around in our heads. Places wow. we want to go, people we want to meet, things we want to achieve, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Which we don't necessarily coin as dreams, but that's kind of what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a bit like if you buy a new bike or car, you start to see more of those things on the road. If yep. you start to think about your dreams, you start to see more ways to make them happen and come true. That's true. Yeah. So we came up with this hairbrain idea, and it was actually Jack who, who came up with it. Jack's our CEO. And he said... Um, let's make this big, let's make this real, let's get a dream ball machine. I was like, what on earth is a dream ball machine? I was like, I love his creative mind. <laughs> he went onto eBay and he bought this old fashioned sweet dispenser. It's about five foot high, massive glass dome at the top. Right. With little capsules inside. And inside each of those capsules are like the things you get in a kinder yeah, egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the name of each person in the agency who's passed their probation. And wow. to get a dream ball out, you have to put a 20p in and the ball comes round the circular yeah, thing yeah, and, and yeah. it pops out the bottom. Now, what happens is if we win an award or we hit a target or just because it's sunny, because there's no rules around dreams, we aim to release a bit dream ball and make that person's dream come true. How do we know what their dreams are? One of the reasons I love my job is I have a dream consultation with everybody when they pass their probation. And I asked them two things. Right. What are you personally going to do to make this business more successful? Not what you think anybody else should do, but what are mm. you personally going to do? Love that. Love that. And if that happens and we are more successful, what dream could we help make come true for you? It is the oddest conversation to have sometimes. Because some people are like, what? Are you trying to get in my head? Or <laughs> other people are like, here's all my dreams. I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, and it's, it's wonderful to see. And my promise to everybody is I will never hold them to the dream they talk about or the dreams that they talk about mm -hmm. in their meeting. Because the first time we won Best Places to Work, we released two dream balls. And um, in his dream consultation, Steve had said to me, I want to spend more time with otters. I thought, okay, that's quite bizarre, but that's fine. If that's yeah, yeah, dream, yeah. If dreams can be anything. <laughs> and then when his dream ball came out, he went to the World Cup in Rio. So they're very different. Okay, that's <laughs> quite different. But wow, you so sent him to Brazil to, for the World Cup. So it took a little bit of budget, but we work with travel companies, so we've got you know friends yeah, 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 yeah. we can pull on, and a bit of time, which is easy for us to give. Yeah, and the loyalty of these people oh, who God, dream yeah. is unbelievable. And you know, sometimes it can be you know dreams are wild and varied. There's a lot of travel adventures. People want to get on the property ladder, and one guy asked me to help him find his dad. What? I thought, we're not going to wait for the dream wall machine for that one. We're just going to do that one. Anyway. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I mean, I can see your emotional <laughs> saying, I feel real. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, that was for that. And to be have that kind of relationship with your team and to be able to talk about that stuff and it to be okay can feel a bit odd to some people. Yeah. But actually, it's amazing. And if, if you can help someone in that way in their life, imagine what they want to do at work. Oh, my God. I'm uh, sort of blown away by that. That's incredible. And wow. it doesn't stop there, Chris. This is where it gets even more amazing. And for the doubters out there in terms of profitability and commercials, it's not about waiting for your dream ball to drop. So some of our team's dreams have become so compelling that they end up on our business plan. Really? So one of our guys, Dan, wanted to get more into technology. He's one of our best tech SEOs, but he wanted to build things. He's been flying drones over Brighton Seafront for years. Way right, before right, 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 right. 
Um, and he said, you know, my dream isn't to go on a travel adventure. I would just like some time to build more stuff. I thought, he's amazing. We don't want to lose him. Fine, we'll give him the time. Dan's brilliant. And he's, he's, he came up with this tool that is now known as Answer the Public, which is an insight tool for people in content marketing and PR to understand mm-hmm. what people are looking for online. It's using Google and Bing data, yep. but it presents it back to you. So say you put into the tool the word um, snowboarders, it will present back to you everything that people are searching for around snowboarding. So you as a content person or a PR person can I understand. I think more. I've used that yeah, tool. You see this I'm, pretty sure I've <laughs> se- I'm pretty sure I've used it. <laughs> well, roll forward a, f- a few years and 170,000 people are using it a month. Really? And it's become a huge part of the insight work we do within the agency. And it's a fantastic um, lead generator for us in terms of Of business. course it is. If we'd never have asked, we'd never have known. And Dan is the happiest chap you could ever meet. That's amazing. And that's a real, I mean, no one can argue with those kind of results, can they? I mean, that's just incredible. Um, something else I want to ask you about is uh, I understand that you keep propelling it to a certain size, uh, which I believe is 60. Yes. So tell us about that, because that's a really interesting business decision. It is, and, I, and we've been challenged on it a number of times, the fact we're not ambitious enough, and I beg to differ, because in the 21st century world, it's not just about bums on seats that's no, growth. No, absolutely. We, we should be more innovative than that. Um, and the reason we set it, and it's a completely arbitrary figure, but it's, there's v- real value to it, is that we all talked about how much, where's the, what size of business do we have the most fun in? Because mm. if we're having the most fun, we're going to be doing our best work. Yeah. And I've worked in big companies, I've run big agency teams, and th- for me, the journey from like 10 to 80 people is amazing. Really, really good fun. Yeah. So we decided, okay, well let's, let's not get to 80, let's stick at 60 and see what happens. Okay. Now, what's brilliant about 60 is we could double the size of the business to 120 in a matter of months. Yeah, yeah. But when you stop at 60, it has some real strategic advantages because it really makes you think about which clients you're going to take on. Because you can't okay. take on every single no, business no, no. that comes your way and just grow to that, that level of clients coming at you. It makes you think about the people you're going to recruit. Mm. Because if in our team, if someone leaves and we're happy for them to do so, we don't necessarily recruit for the same role. We're thinking, right. where's the business going? What do we need? Do we replace a PR person with a data scientist? Yes, possibly in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also has a fantastic level of responsibility for everybody involved because being a great place to work isn't just about being nice to people and giving them dream balls. It's about high challenge yeah, in, yeah. A, in a highly, highly safe environment. So we talk about 60 precious seats and what have we done to earn our seats? I love that. I mean, it, it's a real, sorry, my mind's going to Marie Kondo and life changing. You know, it's that kind of almost like literally um, if you're going to bring something new in, something has to. Yes. You know, yes. I did that with my wardrobe recently, but it means everything's really conscious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you said about conscious business earlier. I'll go yeah. through, and I get that this is a really conscious choice. And what I find fascinating, and I've done, again, some reading around this, and I did it for, for writing the book. There's a brilliant book called Throwing Rocks at the Google Bus by Douglas Rushkoff. Oh, okay. And he talks about the fact that this incessant growth, I mean, Extinction Rebellion, everyone is on the same train here, but this exce- excessive focus on growth is really damaging for the everybody yeah, us, yeah, the yeah. Planet, everybody and if we keep going like that we're going to destroy ourselves and if you look at nature jungles have a certain level of growth until everything gets to have the relevant share of light in the canopy and then it stops and then it just flourishes it's true actually isn't it you don't have to keep growing 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 at, it will always be at the expense of something or someone yeah 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 
So if we think about growth differently and we think about capping the size and the bums on seats, mm. it forces innovation in how you grow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually coming up with more intuitive and innovative technology ideas to make the world a better place. So Dan's answer the public tool. We've got a number of these that are in the market and have gone global that help people do their jobs, but not just do more of it, yeah, yeah. but actually do less and have a bigger impact. Yeah. So we think about growth in that way rather than just more, 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 because more, more is damaging. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's a real, that real shift. I mean, we talk about it a lot, don't we, about, you know, managing by results rather than by inputs yes. and that kind of thing. And that's kind of what I hear here. Yeah. So that, I mean, that picks up a really interesting thing for me because, you know, uh, a lot of the people who listen are kind of scale-up founders. You know, they might have had um, uh, investment, like post-series A, that kind of stuff. And, of course, part of that whole culture of that kind of sector is, Grow, 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 and that pressure from investors. So if um, if a founder was listening and thinking, I want to grow, but I like kind of what I'm hearing, what kind of tips would you give them as they're thinking about growing their culture and maximizing what they can get? I would hold a mirror up to them and say, when you think about personal growth, what does that look like? It doesn't mean you get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's, that's not good growth. No. It means you grow in a different way in the how, how you think how you actually perceive the world and what you can put back into it. So if you treat your business that way, mm. your growth will be completely and utterly different. So let, let, let's kind of take that and t take some of the things that uh, that you've put in place. If you were then, if, if I was to say a founder, I said, that's great, Nikki, I totally hear that. What, uh, if I'm growing my scale up, what three kind of immediate things I should think about putting in place that um, might, might help me shift in that direction? So if you're gonna innovate in growth, you need everybody to be thinking like that. Yep. And some of our tech products have come from people thinking differently about what they do every day. And if you can solve a problem, you can grow in a different way. And let me just bring that to life for you. So a third of my agency is PR people. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about what they could do, what would make their lives better? What could they do to scratch an itch in our industry, in our business that yeah. actually would help a lot of other people in our industry? If we can mm. solve a problem for us and maybe monetize it with other people yep. by solving a problem for them, what would that look like? And Gary and Stella, who are our um, strategy director and PR director at the time said, we'd like to think about this because most of the PR team said, if we could just automate the production of coverage books, that would make our lives a lot better. So coverage books are when you're in PR, you get coverage for your clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really high value output. It used to be snipping things out of newspapers and pasting it into yeah, a yeah. book and now it's cutting things out of the web and pasting it into PowerPoint. Oh yeah, absolutely. Boring, dull, soulless task and then you have to go and get all the stats behind it. So Gary and Stella took the idea of making life better by creating a piece of technology and have come up with the tech tool called coveragebook.com where if you paste your URLs of your coverage into it, it produces not only a beautiful book, but all of the metrics that go with it. Seriously. In a tenth of the time it would normally take you to do it. So we have now monetized that and people are buying that on a license basis, paying us on a monthly level. And it's wow. going global. And it's making life better in the PR industry. It's completely reimagined reporting and it's grown our business. That side of our business will make more money than the agency next year. So we have incredible growth. Wow. It's just not arms on seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first thing would be get everybody thinking in a growth mindset that is potentially not the norm. Bit of maverick thinking. <laughs> I love that. Secondly, give them time to do it. Because mm. if you are, if you're making people do what you are doing, and the normal growth path would be just to do more, you're never going to break out of that unless you give people time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thirdly, listen. You know that lovely saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One mouth, two ears. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people have the most incredible ideas, and that you know, when we started talking about dreams. 
I had no idea the commercial impact it was going to have. We knew it would have a retention and yeah. loyalty impact, but it's enabled us to come up with business ideas that we would never have had before. And from an engagement point of view, it makes people feel very invested in the business because they have a voice. Yeah, they've been heard and they've been trusted. In terms of like bringing listen to life, I mean, obviously there's you know when you're having one to ones or that kind of thing. But how do you quote unquote listen like propel on it? So we. One of our values is well-being, yep. which came very much from burnout, overwork, all that kind of thing going on other places. And we have well-being check-ins with people. Right. And okay. we ask four things. So the first thing is, are you taking a holiday? Because lots of times in agencies and other businesses, people yep. cancel people the holiday don't all do the time. That. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not tracking along the year in the same time as the holiday should be tracking, then we kind of force you to take your holiday, which a lot of people are like, we've got nowhere to go. Fine, just don't come into work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what a concept. Take a holiday. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. um, the second thing is, are you using your Propel days? Because mm. they're there and they're an invitation. And if you're not, let's help you use them because we want people to be you know, making the most of that personal development time. And it's also, and the last thing is we have a health cash plan and like any insurance, um, we want people to use it. And I don't want to know what they're using it for. I want to know they know how to use it. Mm -hmm. So they are having their eyes tested. They are seeing the osteopath or the chiropractor if they need to. And those one-on-one -on -one conversations then come out in our company meetings every Friday about mm. what people are doing in their Propel days, where people have been on their holidays, what amazing inspirational stuff they've done. And got a trip to New Zealand coming up next year and the three people in the agency who've been and we're just chatting about it now that kind of stuff could happen anyway but it's amazing what happens when you put well-being into your value set and you start oh. to make things happen off the back of it how people share and how people grow yeah 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 oh my god I love that um so just picking up on what you were saying about like you know the the high challenge piece I mean how does that come out in terms of like your values and managing performance and all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. When we first did The Great Places to Work and then followed up with Culture Catalyst with Steve and Al, one of the bits of feedback that came back, um, and Steve's brilliant, he's, um, he kind of socked it to me, was um, you lot all get on really, really well and it's lovely, but you're all so nice to each other that you're shit at giving each other good feedback. Like, oh, that's really dangerous. Because Ooh. if we don't tell each other what's wrong, we none of us have a chance to correct it. No, absolutely. And me personally, I'd rather feel like a bit of an idiot in the agency than outside the outside yeah, world yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of the client. And I'm like, please do tell me the feedback. So we've worked quite a lot on feedback, and it's it's not perfect by any stretch yeah, yeah. because no one wants to upset or offend anybody. But no, of course. One of the things we talk about recently in feedback is don't think your perspective as the person giving feedback is right. If you go into that feedback conversation to learn why it's happening and you go in with observation and not judgment you'll have a much better conversation because if you go in expecting someone to change because of what you said you're not going to get anywhere if you say i saw this happen can you help me understand why someone might give you the re oh right okay but then there's something over here that needs to change not yeah. that you're wrong and that that's yeah. quite a learning because so many people have been burnt by feedback mm -hmm. so many people have been terrified of a quarterly performance conversation that they've just been 10 barrels of madness come at them yeah, and they yeah, yeah, yeah. don't do any of that so we have fortnightly check-ins we have very frequent infre uh, irregular conversations around anything it's a very open culture mm. again i'm not saying it's perfect but it's about making sure people feel they can challenge each other in a way that's not emotional so after campaigns or after pitches we run retrospectives and we yeah, ask yeah. four questions i'm sure you know what they are what did we what, what did we do well let's start off with the high stuff yeah what what could we do differently yep what did we learn really important and anything that still puzzles us and if you have that collective conversation with everyone who's worked on the same project you can sometimes find things that you would never ever understand were happening anyway. mm. and it's it's amazing how you can then use little tweaks to change what's happening going forward 
Yeah, yeah. But if you do it in a non-confrontational way, you get so much more out of it. Oh God! Well, yeah, spirit of learning, right? Yeah. And I get that that's really endemic to not not just to the the organisation, but that's clearly kind of something you live as well. So that being the case, I want to kind of hop to you, as it were. Because what, what I find is with a lot of organisations, there's the there's the organisational piece, but of course that's organisation, culture, and leader are obviously fully intertwined as it were mm. so in terms of like living the values and that kind of stuff what uh what do you do to kind of look after your own well-being how do you look after yourself <laughs> um if you ask my husband he might say something different but i am I'm, I'm so excited about what we're doing every day i i can overcommit because i just love doing it and that, mm -hmm. that's for me to work out and sort out well, recently to try and get that under control i have gone to four days a week Mm -hmm. because I want to lead from the front and I want to show people that flexibility is okay yep. and it's it's okay you don't have to be there nine to five actually I think nine to five is pretty barbaric based on our lives right now and how you know running around in the rush hour trying to get your children to school is I just know, it's crazy isn't it so we do flexible working our core hours are ten till four people don't have to justify where they are before that or after that but the main thing is don't let anybody down yeah yeah. So four days a week works for some five days in fours work for other it's just it, work in the way that works best for you mm-hmm and I've got a lot closer to understanding how mindfulness works. Mm. And I've become a qualified coach over the last years. And it's a lot more calming. My, my, my style is more calming now. I know I speak quite quickly than what it used to be. I used to be utterly chaotic, possibly a function <laughs> of the environment. But I'm a lot calmer now. And I, d I have a lot more time and focus for people. Mm. And I know from feedback that I've had from people is when, when I'm in the room, people know things are going to move, things are going to change. But I listen and I try not to be distracted. And I think as a leader, that's so, so important because it's so easy to have your phone on the desk and the pinging and oh all those, God, yeah. you know, we've all been there. And again, Douglas Rushkoff talks about the fact it's um, only air traffic controllers and ambulance drivers used to have present shock. They used to live in a state of present shock. We all live in that state now. Oh my God. Which is terrifying for our own well-being. It really is. And all we need to do is turn the phone but, over yeah. or put it in the bag. Easier said than done, I know. But yeah, you know, <laughs> not getting that dopamine hit. Not yeah. getting dopamine hit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I think is really important, perhaps more so, is the people with the loudest voices are rarely the most courageous. And mm. some very wise person told me that. And he's completely right because a lot of times in business and industry, it's the people that shout the loudest that tend to get heard. And I love going to people who are natural introverts in a way that's comfortable for them and saying. Mm. What do you really think? And those are the most powerful conversations. Yeah. It's not who stands up in the room and punches the air. It's the courageous people sitting in the background that have got the most amazing ideas. I love that. I love that. So kind of furthering the conversation about you and what you do, where do you go for inspiration? And, you know, how do you fill up your, what are your sources of uh, filling your worlds of inspiration? There's so much out there. And I, I can feel overwhelmed by sources of inspiration. But I have to say, TED Talks, Mm -hmm. just look just anything that you want to find out about there's a ted talk on it and what's I find your favorite <laughs> what's your your number one so i was so lucky i'm going to name drop here i'm so lucky to actually see her do this live it's brenny brown and vulnerability oh god yeah we went to 99 u in new york and i was with gary and stella actually and sophie and um Brené uh, brenny came out on stage and she get delivered her talk and she was so vulnerable and she talked about the fact that when she did her first ted talk and the comments unbelievable most of them from men about how she looked as opposed to what she was saying but she still continues to do what she does and now i think she has her own channel on netflix 
Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's the most incredible woman. It's just bringing to mind one of my favourites is one that um, Derek Sievers, the founder yes. of CD Baby, did about leadership. Yes. And it's the one, it's like a three minute talk, and he shows the video of the guy dancing like a lunatic. And, you know, and his point is that, um, you know, we all, we all talk about leadership, right? But it's actually the first person who joins in with the guy who's dancing like a crazy person who makes that person leader is that person who is the first follower yes and so it is about the collective that's really important yeah i'm just minded of uh, sorry i'm i I know i'm going all over the place (laughs) here but there there are a couple of couple of things i just want to kind of talk about just to start to round us off you've mentioned some of the results uh around propeller net um and like kind of some of the tools that come up we know that there are always going to be people out there kind of think, Nikki, that's all lovely. That's great. You've given a couple of things, but, you know, what impact is it really having on like the bottom line and all that kind of thing? So latest Gallup survey, um, 1.8 million employees around the world on engagement showed that only 30% of our global workforce are engaged in what we do every day. Right, right. That means 70% of us are not turning up, bringing our full selves to work, probably just hoping not to get fired. What a waste of our collective human intelligence is that? Yeah, really. And from a financial point of view, you're paying 100% of salary. You kind of want 100% of people to be engaged. 100% is kind of hard to go for because we all have other lives. But 30%, my God, you're wasting double salary if you don't think engagement is important. That's my heart-hitting stat number one. If you you think that's okay, then you shouldn't be running a business. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 98% of my team would recommend working at PropellerNet. Now, that's brilliant because it pays off in space. In terms of people wanting to work in our business, mm-hmm. we've got people lining up. Not necessarily all the right people all the time, but they want to work in the agency, which saves me a fortune on recruitment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Our staff turnover is 7%. The industry average is 30%. We're absolutely. completely winning on that. And the loss of knowledge from a business when someone leaves is really quite dangerous if there's too much of it going on. Absolutely. Clearly, you need new blood and you need people to leave from and go on and do something different. But if it's too high, that's really damaging. 95% of our clients would recommend us to others and we get 80% of our business through referral. That's not unusual for an agency, but the referral rate is lovely to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the biggie, we only tend to take one day off a year sick. Now, this is not because of presenteeism. It's because we put well-being at the centre of what yeah. we do. Yeah, it's yeah, because we want people to take care of themselves. And if you listen to um, the, uh, the Mayor of London, there's a report on the impact of sickness absence at work. And according to the Lord Mayor, we are burning... 10 million a year in the city alone because of sickness absence oh my god if you take that along with the wasted salaries of people not being engaged we're literally burning cash even the most cynical can't argue with that one let's face it um nikki this has been amazing what what i'd love to know is what's what's next for you because you've written the book you've got this incredible place to work what what's next so the book's been brilliant in terms of giving us a platform to talk more about what we're doing and, and changing the way things are working and it's wonderful. I've been inundated with speaker requests, which is great. Of course, and yeah. Want to get engaged and, and, and do, do more podcasts and, and spread the word, which is brilliant. And we have got some wonderful ideas of the next ways we can innovate in growth. And that's where I want to have a large chunk of my attention next because mm. there's some really exciting stuff coming up. And I feel that Super Engaged is possibly the first chapter of what could be coming next. Oh, interesting. So anything that you can talk about at this stage or... Uh, <laughs> Not right. I'm going to leave that just right there. Just that. So, <laughs> so we'll, 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 we'll talk at some point in the future about the next chapter, as it were. Yes. Brilliant stuff. Um, Nikki, if people want to uh, find you, uh, kind of reach out to you, that kind of thing, where can they find you on the web? So um, if you Google Super Engaged, we'll come up. 
Uh, the website there will show you the book, the reviews, um, me talking, workshops, etc. I'm on Twitter, Nikki Gattenby, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm very happy to chat, so get in touch. Brilliant, and obviously we'll drop the social links and everything in the, the show notes. Nikki, thank you so much today. This has been, my, my heart is singing right now. I have <laughs> to say, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to that, but don't go yet. Did you get something meaningful out of this episode? Well, the most meaningful thing you can do right now is go and leave a review on iTunes because those reviews are what help to keep us here. And while you're there, please make sure you subscribe and share this episode with friends, colleagues, and anyone else you think might enjoy it. Finally, are you unleashing your superpowers? Well, if so, we'd love to see. So show us on Instagram with the hashtag Mavericks Unlimited and we'll see you over there. Thanks for listening to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast today at mavericksunlimited.com and we'll see you next time.